Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Why the F Not podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Brogan Cortez. Welcome to episode 84. Today's episode, I have my friend coming in for Luna Rose. Me and Luna work, Luna and I, Luna and myself. Luna and I were a part of a production of Cabaret a while back. Pre-COVID, I'm pretty sure, yeah. And uh, me and Luna also, I got to uh, guest appear on her podcast, uh, Outsiders Assemble. And now it's her turn to come on to the show and, and chat it up with me. It, it's come. This one's different, y'all. This one's different. I want you to check this one out. This one, I, I learned something. I hope. Well, I feel like I learned something every time, but I learned something on this one. I'm not gonna give it away because I want you to sit back and enjoy. There I go pointing again. Stop pointing, Stephen. What are you doing? Uh, but uh, yo, have y'all subscribed yet? Have you have you have you commented on any of those questionnaires on Spotify? You got a question? Yo, are you on Spotify? Scroll down really quick. There's some questions there. Not questions, but like you can ask a question. Ask me a question. What's your favorite color? I mean word. <laughs> I never asked color. Mine's blue and green, if you couldn't tell. Uh, but sit back and relax. Subscribe, comment, like, all that good stuff. Um, welcome to the Why the F Not podcast with Luna Rose. There. All right, we're recording. All right. We're going, Luna. What's up? Thank you for coming on to the show. Uh, now you're, you've come over here. We don't have Alan, but we got you here now. Welcome. Yes. Yeah, think, you know, things are good. Uh, maybe Alan will come here on his own. Who knows? Yeah, that'd be fun to happen. But right now, no, just you right now. Just Miss Luna Rose me so yo yo so tell me what's been going on with the uh avengers assemble podcast how y'all doing it's been going well um we are getting into agents of shield right now so oh. definitely check those out you know it gets interesting when you watch through the mcu even though agents of shield isn't technically part of the mcu but that it, it's part of the mcu it's just multiverse you know mm. um and it gets interesting once you start it because it's like in chronological order it goes like oh it's like the first seven episodes and then it's like thor the dark world and then some more episodes of agents of shield and then it's the winter soldier uh so we're at that point in the podcast where you know as we're going through the rewatch we're going to be going bouncing back and forth between a lot of different things which is pretty exciting that's right. Yeah, uh, we've been so, we've been enjoying it. So so agent, out, you know. Nice, because like I've I haven't watched Agents of Shield, Agents of Shield, but is that so? They tried to make that show intertwine with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, right? Like you were saying, like there'd be a couple episodes, and then Thor: Dark World. Like, were they trying to? Because I, again, I never watched the show. That's how it started. Yeah, mm. so they reference like the Battle of New York and the Avengers and the Shatari, they reference the events of Winter Soldier and Age, Age of Ultron. Um, it wasn't until like around, like shortly before Avengers Infinity War that they started to retcon everything mm. because of the plot they were going with for Endgame. Right, okay. I mean, hey, I mean, I, I again, I never watched the show, so I don't have any like... I have no no connection to it emotionally or nostalgically. Like I'm sure it was a good show. Like Col Agent Colson, that's his name, right? 
Yeah, he's, he's the back. coolest man. Yeah, we love that guy. He lent. I love his little obsession with Captain America. I, I appreciate his little fanboyness come out. Yes, I love it. He's unapologetically himself. And is it like I think I think he looks good. Uh, I don't know if that's an unpopular opinion, but like I he's think... a good-looking guy. Yeah, I think he's a good-looking guy. Oh yeah, and, like, also, totally. and also just the way he, just the way he carries himself, I find mm. to be very attractive. I mean, like he's very cool, yeah. but like he's not arrogant about it. Like he can kick your ass, but he doesn't have to walk around like he can. You know, he like carries himself with that confidence and that pride. He's like, no, I'm. I know I'm Coulson. I can kick your ass. I don't have to try. Exactly. Oh man, well, dope, dope. Have you been, yo, have you been seeing those, uh, the latest trailers for Ant-Man? I have. It looks really wild. I'm excited for, uh, Jonathan Majors as Kang the Conqueror to come back. Um, uh, if you don't know, he first appeared in the Loki season one finale. Uh, he wasn't called Kang the Conqueror in that one. He was just he who remains, but it's the same character. And I, variants. I was watching a TikTok about that that Kang, that variant, he who remains, and that this, like that Kang that we saw, was probably the most, the kindest, purest form of Kang we we will see thus far. Like unless you know the whole Iron Lad thing, maybe if that pops up. But I mean, so far from what we're gonna see in Quantum Mania, the, the the Kang we saw in Loki. Oh my god, a tamed puppy compared to what's coming, man. Yeah, I I met the the variant and Loki. I saw him for the first time and Al and I were both like, Oh, he he's so charming. Look at him. He's he's just he's a cool guy. Um yeah. But if you've read the comics, you know how fucking crazy he is already. Um and if you haven't seen the comics, buckle up. Yeah, because if yeah, if you don't have any references to who Kang is and like the extent of his, not just power but the reach he has throughout the multiverse, and it, it yeah, like I don't even I don't even I I heard some guy talk about he got received these like images from like a leaker or something like like credible sources or something that have leaked reliable images before, and that a, he didn't read he, he didn't like spoil anything, but he just said the images he saw had his mouth dropped to the floor. And he said in the image, they saw someone who hasn't been shown yet in any of the publicity work put out for Ant-Man yet. So who the heck know? Because like you, you know, Kang from the comics and, you know, maybe certain, you know, characters or certain elements that could come across. What do you think? What do you hope for out of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania? Like what, what are you hoping for that'll like drop your jaw to the floor? Um, I am a sucker for visual effects. Um, I think the film from what we've seen in trailers so far, it looks really cool. And now I've always liked Ant-Man as a character. Love Paul Rudd. Uh, I, I think he's, he's always done a good job. I never like super duper cared about the Ant-Man films themselves. Uh, they, they were just kind of like, I always thought they were just kind of forgettable to me. Mm. Um, 
And I think I think part of that was because the first Ant Man was I don't know. Uh, it was it was just sort of forgettable. Um, it didn't like you don't really need to watch it to understand what's going on uh, in the rest of the MCU. And in a while, you do kind of have to watch that just for the mid-credit scene. But honestly, if the mid-credit scene is better than the rest of the film, you're doing something wrong. <laughs> um, I think I think I'm, I'm just excited for um, more multiverse stuff to be tied in. And what I'm hoping from Kang specifically is like really really showcase how much of a threat he is. And like, I love to see multiple variants of him as well in the film. I, I think that because this is the multiverse era, he needs to be a much bigger threat than even Thanos. Mm. Oh, he's like, Oh, it, like, I have to think, like, oh, you thought Thanos was bad? Well, <laughs> just wait. I mean, they showed in, in Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness that there is a universe where Thanos was taken out. Sure, you know, Doctor Strange had to go into to some dark places to to get that power. But but even in, in that scene, you see that they beat Thanos with his own weapon and he didn't even have all the Infinity Stones. So, yeah. So, Than, I mean, and what's his face? Thanos was scary, but not multiversally a danger or a threat like Kang is. Yes, exactly. And they've already kind of, they've done little things here and there to kind of move on from the Infinity Saga, like in Loki. You know, the TVA literally uses Infinity Stones as paperweights. It's just like these these things that like got so many people killed and just have so much power, it don't matter. And yeah, Multiverse of Madness, like you said, there was a universe where Thanos was just taken out fairly easily. Um so they they kind of been building to like there are much, much bigger threats. And I and I need to see that in Quantumania with Kang. Amen. I mean, since since day one of like Iron Man, right? Or even before that with with like the Incredible Hulk with Edward Norton, right? It's like we've been seeing like these small pictures and we've just been zooming out and zooming out and zooming out to the point where we're looking at, again, these Infinity Stones, like you said, right? Used to be these grandiose items that we would travel two three movies just to find one right or to collect them all and we're all here we're fighting for this glove and yeah here we go to the tva and they're like not nah, zoom out a little bit they're just paperweights they're nothing too extreme <laughs> like what yeah, is kang gonna it's, do it's crazy what can kang do that's just gonna make us feel like oh thanos was just a paperweight I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, I think of uh, one particular episode of the What If series where it was like, what if Ultron won? Ooh. And that, that was terrifying. And like Thanos showed up with 
all the infinity stones obviously except for the mind stone because ultron has that he's made from that and ultron basically kind of just flicked him and then he was dead and that's what personally upset me about about the about avengers uh what was all what was ultron's movie again i'm blanking age, age of ultron, ultron. god <laughs> god i suck thank you <laughs> Oh man! Oh, just like, oh, that's how bad the movie sucks. We're like, wait, what's the one with Ultron in it? It just felt so it's got Ultron in the name. Like, how do you treat Ultron like that? Like, just one movie. Like for me, Ultron is like Thanos level of villainry. He's like Kang level, where he's like he's like a he's a very prominent figure in the Avengers history, right? And then boom, just one movie. That's it. We're not even gonna talk about him later. So I was glad to see him in What If come back and show his real threat level. That Yeah, he even he could just flick Thanos off. Yeah, I think that's my favorite episode of What If, besides the zombie one. Um, but it 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 is my favorite because it it really it really let Ultron shine in a way that Age of Ultron really did it. And this isn't an unpopular opinion that I have, but Age of Ultron is my least favorite Marvel movie. Mm, fair. Okay. Fair. If you don't mind divulging more about that, like what, what, what makes you feel like that? A lot of things. You know, like you said, uh, I don't like how they did Ultron. That I was just not... He didn't feel like, a, like much of a threat to me. Um, I feel like all of the main characters were like, the worst version of themselves. Mm. I think it further showcased my opinion that Tony doesn't really have as much character development as people think. Cause just a couple movies prior to this, he had told Pepper, okay, I'll stop. And then here he is with no explanation. He hasn't stopped doing hero work. And I'm just like, okay, what the fuck? What happened? Uh, they kind they kind of explained that in Civil War, but at the time, like it just made me mad. I think, I think Joss Whedon has a very fundamental misunderstanding of all the characters, but especially Steve Rogers. Mm. Uh, like Steve Rogers, outside of the Captain America trilogy, is so different. Like. The, the whole, like, language debacle just, like, infuriated me to no end. I'm just like, you're telling me this this guy who fought in World War II is, is going to be mad that you said a bad word when there's, like, bullets flying at your face? No, come on, that's bullshit. Uh, God, I, I could go on. I'll just, uh, I'll just summarize really, really quickly. Um, don't like the banner... Natasha romance that was really weird she mm. literally had chemistry with everybody else except him uh mm-hmm. the writing was really clunky specifically with Natasha talking about her forced sterilization and like because she can't have children that makes her a monster there's a lot to unpack on that and I think the possible worst offense of the movie uh-huh. was the handling of Wanda and Pietro now, I understand why they couldn't have the exact same storyline for those two characters because they 
were still owned by Fox at the time. This was before Disney owned Fox. And, you know, they, they couldn't, you know, if you remember, like originally those two characters are uh, Magneto's children, Mm -hmm. which makes them half Jewish. And their mother is a Romani woman. They're half Jewish, half Romani. I understand why they couldn't make Magneto their father. Right. Because they don't have the rights to that. But to entirely whitewash them and completely erase their Jewish and Romani heritage Hmm. and instead have them work for Hydra, which is Nazis. Basically. That's horrendous. Like there, there's so many other better ways that they could have like they could gotten have... around that copyright issue. I'm, yeah, because I wish they would have kept that. The like the the element of being Magneto's kids, being half Jewish, and even like even if they were captured by you know Hydra, aka you know Nazis, you know it would it, it would even play even more to that role uh, because you know the Nazis were were diabolical detesting and and weird experiments during the Holocaust. So it would make sense, you know, if they, if they connected those two elements, you know, to be like, yeah, like, and then Magneto, I I don't know. I feel like this whole rights thing makes everything so wishy-washy that we get into situations like this character wise. Right. Where like, we can't say this about a certain character's backstory because we don't have the rights to Magneto or whatever. And then it just makes everything so wishy-washy. And so, um, a little too disconnected from the source material. Yeah. Um, yeah, the whole like intellectual property uh, fiascos um, that have been connected to Disney and Marvel. Um, like, it, just very complicated and just like has led to a lot of problems. Not that I'm saying like. Uh, you know, creative or intellectual property shouldn't exist, but just like it's led us to problems like this one. But like they they could have just had like Hydra kidnap one of Pietro's children and like brainwash them, basically like what they did to Bucky. That's one hundred percent a thing that Hydra would do. Yeah. Oh man. I mean, yeah, definitely. I feel like a lot of Marvel movies, I mean, I hope there's some more payoffs later on, but a lot of movies, a lot of those Marvel movies, especially like you mentioned how you don't, you're not a big fan of Ant-Man movies, right? Like the first one or like, you're not of the first one, especially right? You're not, not, not your favorite, right? Yeah, it's historically been, both of them have historically been pretty low on my list. Not because I think they're bad. They just like, they're just kind of there. They haven't really stuck out to me. I feel like that's on purpose or by design, if you will, because only to like be seeds to what now is quantum mania, you know, because Ant-Man's always been there right here and there since the movies. Right. But then when he like Kevin Feige was talking about how the pivotal role that Ant-Man then played in Endgame and and wanting to show his true colors now in this next movie, it's just it seems like a lot of movies seem to just plant seeds. Just tiny little seeds that maybe we'll pay off later. Maybe we'll not. We'll see how rights go. We'll see how ratings go. Yeah. You know, I, I'm i going to go into the movie with an open mind and see what happens. Mm. And then uh, we can check out our review on Outsiders Assemble. <laughs> Outsiders Assemble. Oh, man. What else are you geeking out about lately? Anything else you've watched lately? That's Because we're still waiting on, on Ant-Man for sure. 
But what else are you geeking out about? Uh, excuse me. Um, I still haven't checked out the Last of Us TV series, oh but I've, I've heard really good things about it. I already like the cast. Um, I think Pedro Pascal is great. I don't remember the name of the actress. I remember her as Leona Mormont in Game of Thrones, but she's fantastic too. I, I still haven't gotten around to watching it, but I, I really, really want to. Um, I finally just started watching Tuca and Birdie. What have you been watching? Oh, you don't know Tuca and Birdie. What? Wait, what? I, no, um, I was searching up the that, name of the actress from Last of Us, but what? What? What is this? So Tuca and Birdie is, it's an adult animated show. It started on Netflix, got canceled after one season, got picked up for two more seasons by Adult Swim and got canceled again. I don't know why, because it's fucking good. You should check it out. But Tuca I, and Birdie? Yeah. About these two birds? Yes. <laughs> is is that a toucan and a pigeon? It's a toucan and a song thrush. A song thrush? Yeah, That's I think such an interesting one of those like bird. tiny little birds. The that animation you see around all the time. <laughs> uh, dude, having cartoons aimed at adults, especially like our generation, is the smartest thing to do because we'll never get sick of cartoons. Yeah, absolutely. I I I get more and more like engaged by cartoons, like even now in full grown adulthood. <laughs> Oh heck yeah! Wait, so what's Turk, Turk Tuka and Birdie about? What's it got? What's what's got you so interested in it? So it's about these two ladybirds who are besties, and they're just kind of like navigating life in their friendship and their relationships. So like, you know, Tuka is a recovering alcoholic and uh, you know at the start of the series she's like six months sober um and she has all these like wacky adventures trying to get all these like you know gig economy jobs trying to get back on her feet and like uh she has to figure out how to have confidence with dating without the aid of alcohol um birdie is in a long-term relationship first episode like she had just moved in with her long-term partner and she kind of like struggles to stand up for herself uh and just like there's a lot of uh themes of like kind of like the life of being a woman like there's a whole episode about birdie trying to like learn how to stand up for herself against like cat calling and like mansplaining men and like trying to get the promotion that she's obviously the most qualified for Ooh. uh there's a bit of a darker um like sexual assault story later did you say sexual assault story yeah it, it, i i don't want to i don't want to spoil too much but oh, okay they, but like, they go damn. there interesting it's it's fascinating that they use these characters that are in this you know they're like bipedal they're on their two feet but they're like these bird creature are there different animals or is it just birds it takes place in a town called bird town so it is mostly birds but there's some other animals too there's a monkey in there um there's like some 
like cat or dog people. Uh, there's also plant people in the show, which is really interesting. Plant people? Are they like vegetarians? Uh... Like they're literally like talking trees. Huh. That's interesting. Are they, are they just regular people in Birdtown? There are no humans. No, but I, but are the trees are the trees just regular citizens? Oh yeah. And are oh, so it's so it's fascinating that it's all these like animated creatures and trees and stuff, right? But they're just having like human problems. <laughs> yes, and the those were my those are just my those are my favorite shows. Generally speaking, um, I like you know the super zany wacky stuff that also hit you hard with the emotional stuff i think the fact that it's so like wacky and zany and like the animation is like so colorful is what makes those emotional moments hit so much harder oh yeah um so the creators of Tuke and birdie also created Ojack Horseman. If I was that. gonna say, I had a feeling when I saw the animation. I was like, well, "This guy, this has Bojack Horseman feels with with how they're drawn." Oh, okay. Yeah, exactly. It's the same creators. And Bojack Horseman is just like oh, about a horse, but he's like an actor, or, or he's like a he's like he wasn't famous actor, and he's just trying to figure again all these animal bipedal characters, but they're just having human problems. Yeah, that's the shit I live for. Dude, that's like, that's probably therapy for a lot of us, you know, like if like, I don't know about you, but like growing up and not having someone to talk about like feelings or like express them and how to like process them. And thank God for these cartoons and these shows that are like giving us a way to guide through it and, and, and again, process through it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, there's. There's like one more uh, uh, that I've really been raving about. Uh, it's not animated, but it's a teen show called Heartbreak High. I guess it's a reboot of an Australian show from the 90s. Oh. But, and listen, like I'm 25 years old. I I don't really watch shows meant for teenagers anymore. I tried to watch Euphoria and I just... I could not. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen. I haven't seen that. But what? What? What had? What was it about Euphoria that you just couldn't? Couldn't get past it. I mean, season one was fine, and like Zendaya is fucking fantastic. Um, it, like, I think she carries the show, and her character storyline was the only one I was really interested in. Uh huh. The rest of it just like. I don't know. Like, it didn't feel like, I don't, I don't know what it was. I just couldn't root for the characters. I thought, um, I thought some of the ways in which the issues were tackled were kind of in poor taste or they would like, or they would like start one storyline and then forget about it in season two. Like there was so much stuff that happened in season one that that could have been built on in the second season, and they just didn't. Huh? And I'm just like, so you gave it a good effort. Writing sounds yeah. like you, yeah, you gave a good effort. You're a, a good you got a good season through. 
I made it. Yeah, I made it through one season. <laughs> but, but back to back to the Australian remake of Heartbreak High. What 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 is it about that? It's a very colorful cast. Very everyone's so intriguing. Oh yeah. So number one thing I love about that show is the diversity. My my favorite characters in the show are an autistic lesbian named Quinny, played by an actually autistic actress who is also a TikToker named Chloe Hayden, who is just, <laughs> right on. She's a sweet girl. I love her. I love her. Um, and then there's a character, Quinny's best friend Darren, who is a black non-binary person. And then their love interest, who whose name is Cash, who is ace, asexual. Mm. Right on, right on. But really, really, I want to talk about Quinny because uh, if I had autistic representation like hers growing up, I think I would have felt so much less alone. Mm. Um, I, I had met, I had met some other, you know, autistic people my age when I was growing up, but you know, all of them were boys mm. and, uh, you know, just, just because, you know, two people are autistic doesn't mean they're going to have anything in common. Like we're still different people. Yeah. I, I think a lot of the representation I, I did see, it just didn't feel authentic to me. Like none of them were played by actually autistic actors, mm. which that's that that's kind of a big one for me. I I I think that's really important to actually include us when telling our stories. Mm. And right. I don't know, just Hollywood has a very just like boxed in one-dimensional idea of autism in their head, and that's what they go for. So if you've ever watched like a good doctor or atypical or the big bang theory. Like that's kind of how they view autism. Just like socially awkward, nerdy white guy who uh, doesn't have a lot of friends is into like math and science and isn't the most emotionally intelligent that I can't, I can't relate to that because that's not how my autism represents. Mm. And what I like about Quinny from Heartbreak High is they show all sides of her autism without romanticizing or demonizing her for it. Mm. It's, it's just a part of her character. She's not miserable all the time because of it. You know, they... They literally show like the good parts about autism, like the way she like geeks about her special interest and uh, just like happily stems. <laughs> and then they show like the hard parts where she is dating this girl and this girl like ends up being really ableist and like doesn't understand her. And also, honestly, they they show like kind of the mundane parts about autism, just like, oh, yeah, she... She's like very, I don't want to say by the book, but she really, really cares about like, like her routine and like keeping, 
like a tight schedule, which is a common trait. She's got like a whole to-do list to do in the morning. She's like, brush hair, brush teeth, get dressed, make bed, take vitamins. Mm. And just like, yeah. So like she's she's fully fleshed out. She's three-dimensional and right. she's openly autistic, but not once like I never once felt while watching the show that her autism felt dramatized. Mm. Like for effect, it just kind of naturally flowed with the writing. Again, the uh, her being uh, her her being autistic that isn't the main character of the show. Like the autism isn't the character; she's the character. And there's these yes, all exactly. these qualities of her, you know, not just her being autistic, but everything, and it's all sewn together. Is what you're saying? Everything's sewn in together, flu like uh, fluidly, if you will. Yeah, exactly. God, yeah, because like something I've heard about, you know, the spectrum of autism is that it's just that a spectrum that it's, it's such a wide range. Yeah. And, you know, when, when people say autism is a spectrum, you know, a lot of times they they'll think of like, oh, like a linear line type of spectrum oh. where like you're like if you're on this side, you're more autistic or if you're on this side, you're less autistic, or you're it's somewhere in the middle. That's not what it is. Oh, uh, there, there not is gonna no... lie. I was kind of, I'm kind of in that mentality where like that's kind of how I see it, kind of. But please tell me, like, what is it more like? Yes, let me educate you, my friend. So, yeah, it's not a situation where you're like, oh, you're just a little autistic or you're mild or severe. No, you're either autistic or you're not. Like you either have that neurotype or you don't. Mm. So what the spectrum actually is, is it's more of a color wheel. So you have like this circle here. You have all these colors that represent different traits, like sensory issues or communication issues, or I don't know, like, um, like emotions, like ability to like process and identify emotions, like all these things. And then, some people may have struggles in some areas, but be perfectly fine in others. So, for example, mm. you know, I I don't necessarily struggle with communication. Like, I can speak, usually. My communication style is still different. And my my thought patterns are still different. But I can still live independently. I can have a job. I... I have friends and I have something that's called hyper empathy, which is the opposite of, you know, not having empathy for others, um, which is another misconception. Some people think all autistic people just don't have empathy, oh. which that's true for some, but mm. some autistic people like myself have hyper empathy uh, where you just like absorb everyone's energy and emotions around you. It's very draining. I bet. Yeah, I I feel like my my girlfriend Stephanie could relate to something like that, the hyper empathy. Like, whoa, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, there are some there are some things that other autistic people struggle with that I don't personally, but I do have um, a lot of sensory issues. Like I can't leave the house without like noise canceling earplugs. Mm. I, 
there, there are certain fabrics of clothing that I can't wear. I've cut the price tags off all my clothes because it feels like I'm being stabbed. Um, I get burnt out very easily. And, you know, when I do go into like a meltdown or a shutdown, I, or just when I'm like, very just feeling very high emotions positive or negative i can lose the ability to speak momentarily because mm. you're so your system is just so overwhelmed with stimuli that it's just like nope i need to just rest yeah. stop it it's kind of like when you're using way too much electricity in your house and then just your power goes out mm. and then now you're now you can't have electricity for a few hours yeah, chill out. Interesting. Interesting. So, okay, so this color wheel, so the, the 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 segments within that color wheel, would you say that those segments like vary in size, like each piece of the color wheel? Again, communication, sensory, uh, the um, organization, all all these other different elements or whatever. So they vary within every every person who is autistic. Yeah, exactly. Everyone's color wheel is going to look different. So, you know, that's why things like functioning labels are considered outdated because they don't actually, they don't accurately um, describe how autism works because, you know, somebody might not be able to talk at all, but they are fine or like they don't struggle anywhere else. Mm. But because they can't speak, historically, they would be considered, quote, low functioning. Yeah. And what a thing to be told, because I'm if that person can't speak, they can still hear and see and be like they can. They're probably aware of everyone calling them low functioning. I, that does. I, how does a person thrive when they're being spoken to that way? Yeah, it's. It's not good there because. There's so many other ways to communicate. You know, we have AAC devices. Honestly, like we even have like what are AAC devices? On, our, on our phones. So AAC devices are they're basically devices um, that are used mostly by autistic people who can't speak to be able to communicate. So they'll. Uh, it's like they have it set up and they'll put in words or letters or pictures or however they can best communicate. And the AAC device will repeat back ah. uh, what that person's trying to communicate. Yeah. Honestly, like not being able to speak with the technology we have nowadays. Yeah. I think it's unfair to qualify that as low functioning. Especially if they can operate uh, yeah. a device such as an AA, the AAC device, you said? Yes. God, yeah. And you were just saying, I, I, before I interrupted you, you were talking about that there's phone apps too. Yeah, there are phone apps. Uh, you you can write things down. Uh, you know, we have sign language. I, I'm actually learning. Uh, I actually decided to start learning some ASL. Uh, primarily because I I want to be able to communicate with deaf and hard hearing guests at my work, mm. and and also like ASL is 
beneficial to anybody who is non-speaking. Not just Um, deaf or hard of hearing. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of parents whose children are autistic and non-speaking, and so they teach them sign language that the kid can communicate what they want or need. Like some food, some water, got to go to the bathroom. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Oh, never thought about it like that, huh? Fascinating. Right on. Well, thanks for your for your your TED talk, your small your quick small TED talk for uh, for teaching me more about the autistic community. Yes, I appreciate. I that. am happy to help with that. Heck yeah, because I see on your TikTok you're very vocal about a lot of things. Like you seem to be a very uh, a very passionate person when it comes to different communities, whether it's you know for LGBTQ or autistic community. You're just you're a good educator. You're a, you're a good content creator of an educator. Appreciate you. Thank you. I I really try. I I'm always learning new information. Uh, I'm never done learning. And what's crazy is when I first started my TikTok, you know, back when we were quarantining, I wasn't initially as open about my autism. Mm. There was a period in my life where I really didn't talk about it that much, if at all. And I think part of it was, I think I was getting tired of being met with doubt doubt you said yeah because i don't i don't present the way people expect autistic people to present and so i've gotten a lot of like are you sure like (laughs) are you actually diagnosed uh it's like no i've I've met autistic people you're nothing like them okay Uh, and just like all this shit uh and so i kind of got sick of it i bet and then also, to be honest, I wasn't as educated about my own autism mm. as I have been more recently because I don't know. I don't know how to say it. I like graduated, I guess, from each therapy uh, when I turned 18, mm. uh, like my senior year of high school. So, and I don't. And I don't think it was the intention because I was still encouraged to try to seek accommodations in college. Um, But I still, some part of me still took it as, oh, my autism doesn't affect me as much anymore. Mm -hmm. So there's no need to talk about it. Um, You know, it was all, it was almost just like, oh, I, I'm autistic, but now it's not going to, now it won't inconvenience people. Oh, thinking about and, other people. Yeah. And so oh. what I found out, uh, thanks to uh, some other autistic creators, some of whom are now my mutuals. Oh, fun. Uh, is that was what I was doing is called masking. Mm. Uh, masking is a survival tactic used by a lot of autistic people to try to present as neurotypical um and a lot of times when i try to explain this to people uh they're like oh everyone does that we all put on different versions of ourselves at work at school blah 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 and i'm like 
okay, but this is not the same thing. It's so much deeper than that. What it, what autistic masking is, is not like it's, it's not only suppressing your autism traits and mimicking the behavior around you. It's mimicking behavior that you don't even fully understand. Mm. And it, it can lead you to be extremely burnt out and manipulated, taken advantage of. Um, you know, it's like, you know, when you go to a job interview for work, yeah, you're, you're going to put on a more professional, uh, front, if you will, front, if you will. Sure. Uh, but like, you're still you autistic people basically do that all the time. Mm. Uh, a lot of us describe it as just like constantly being on stage, playing a character, kind of like a Truman show situation. Yeah. Um, and we do it for so long, many of us like for our entire lives to the point that we end up having very severe identity crises because we don't even know who our true selves are anymore because we've been we've been playing somebody else our whole lives. Whoa. And this is why this is part of the reason why so many autistic people uh, have shorter lifespans and have more health issues uh, than the average person because the toll that masking takes on your mental and physical health is huge. Like it's really not good for us. Ooh, I was, I was going to ask like what the toll, it, what, what, what kind of toll, if any, it took on you or on, 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 you know, on map folks who mask that frequently. And like, it can be that detrimental. Yeah. Um, I have, I have anxiety. I have depression. Um, mm, and those I've gotten, <sighs> I've gotten psychosomatic symptoms, uh, from the stress. Like I've, I've just gotten like random, like pain in different parts of my body, like my knees or like, uh, my neck, uh, there is one point in my life where it was my junior year of high school uh, that, was, that was taking AP classes. That was fun. <laughs> uh, but I had like a complete mental breakdown uh, that year, uh, which in hindsight wasn't just because of like AP school stress. It was also like the stress of masking for so long and uh that time it came out is like feeling nauseous constantly and like throwing up uh and i would even like you know miss class sometimes because i would just be sitting in the bathroom with like horrible stomach aches and like migraines and i'm just like i cannot go to my next class right now and how was that how did like adults around you approach that? Like your fan, like your parents or like teachers, like would they, would they console you? Would they help nurse you back to health? Or was there any understanding there or any, like, how did they meet you? I think they were doing the best that they could. They wanted to help me. Okay. And you know, they, 
you know, they really tried. Um, you know, my speech therapist at the time was really great. She was just like, hey, if you are just like feeling not great or like really anxious, you can come over here. We can like talk about it. You can take a break. So like I had people trying to help me. Um, I'm not sure they fully understood like uh, the root of it because I didn't even understand the root of it. I think uh, I think they just thought like, oh, this is like normal stress from like school and like it's your junior year and like you're so busy with so many things. Which I mean, that's cert- that was certainly a factor, but I. You know, I think there was like a little more going on. Yeah. Uh, in in hindsight. Wow. And and we we personally met first performing together on stage. When did performing come in for you? Like, if you you know, you're working on your with your speech therapist, getting that together. When did you step onto the stage? The first time I stepped onto the stage, I was eight years old, and. <laughs> You know, I, I really like that your podcast is called Why the F Not? Because I feel like that's kind of been my whole life motto. <laughs> like, I was eight years old, and I just signed up for the school play because why the F not? <laughs> <laughs> like, by yourself? Like, your no parent was like, you should do that, Luna. You were like, hey, why not? It's some show. No, it's just like, uh, you know, I, I saw there were signups for The Wizard of Oz, and I was just like, Oh, I like that movie. I will sign up. I wrote my name <laughs> down and then my mom uh, picked me up from school that day. And I was just like, guess what? I'm going to be in the play. And she was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so. Mind you, like prior to this, I was not interested in anything. Like they tried signing me up for ballet or like trying to get me interested in the sport. Uh, just some sort of extracurricular activity that would like get me to socialize with other kids my age and i i just wasn't having it what like i didn't i wasn't interested uh and then i and then i found theater and i was just like yeah that sounds good to me <laughs> <laughs> oh man i feel like for so many kids theater's uh it's like a godsend it's like a safe haven you know like oh this feels comfortable hey y'all <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. I think there's been very few places where I have felt truly safe to, and you know, I mean, masking, autistic masking is tricky because I didn't even know that I was doing it until, uh, quarantine a few years ago. And really? Yeah. It's wow. like, it's a, like, it's like a subconscious decision and even now, like, it's really hard to pinpoint when I'm masking, when I'm unmasking. But I I think theater has been one of the few places where I can unmask and be more myself without really thinking about it. Because theater people tend to be less judgmental. Mm-hmm. And the more expressive you are or the more if you will, eccentric you are, it's kind of applauded. They love that energy. They love that difference, you know? Yeah, absolutely. But like, they, that shit's welcome. They, they welcome you with open arms for that. Mm. Uh, you know, 
the the theater teachers and the directors like uh they like they want you to let loose they they want you to say fuck it dance like no one's watching (laughs) all of those quotes that are basically like don't care what people think don't be afraid to look silly oh that must have been i mean yeah like for a kid like i mean you weren't even aware until you said a couple years ago but i can imagine like the relief you must have felt like having that permission and then being like yeah mask down let's just have fun yeah absolutely and it's and it's interesting like a lot of autistic people i know have kind of flocked to theater for that reason and also you know theater acting is all about kind of you know understanding the human experience and you know channeling human emotions and you know this this is my experience it's it's a theory but Mm -hmm. it it seems to me i think why the reason theater and also like psychology and sociology which i have my degree in sociology as well just anything like pertaining to the human experience and studying people. I think a lot of autistic people gravitate towards those subjects because we don't understand people. <laughs> we don't understand how to human. And so we, we want to understand. We want to learn. That's all it is. You just want to, you want to learn. You want to understand. <laughs> I want to learn how to be a human. <laughs> <laughs> like, nah, it's underrated. Once the alien. Yes. Okay. My audio stopped recording, but I caught it. It happens sometimes, but we're, this is a good time to segue to the segment of the show. Let me see. We've been going, oh, almost a full, that's good time. Good timing. Then my computer was like, Steven, could we move it on? And I'm like, all right, computer, I will. So I think it's a good time to move over to, uh, I don't know if you know of the officials of an, we have an official segment here in the Why the F Not podcast. It's the questionnaire portion. Nothing too crazy, yeah? Oh, good, okay, good. So yeah, 10 questions. They're from uh, they're from Inside the Actor Studio. Uh, the last 10 questions that uh, the late, great James Lipton would ask every guest at the end of the interview. And I, I love these questions because they're very simple, very simple questions, but I've always said they're deceptively simple that you'll hear them at first. And I want you, if, if it makes you have to st- have a minute to like, think about it, go ahead. But if whatever comes out, I, I wanna hear it. All right? So let's see. The first question is, one question, what is your favorite word? Fuck. Nice. <laughs> Enough said. <laughs> Next question. What is your least favorite word? I think my least favorite word, I'm not going to say it because it's a slur, but it starts with the letter R Mm. and ends with the letter D. Gotcha. I... I hate it. I, I've been called it uh, as a child in the early 2000s when the word was pretty normalized. Uh, 
yeah, it's just, it's, I don't like it. Uh, I think there are better words that we can use to convey when someone is being ignorant or an asshole or when something just sucks. <laughs> Fair enough. Like read a book, go learn some new words. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we don't, we don't need to equate disabled people with negativity. I think that's been done enough. We can, we can lessen on that. You know, I think as a society, we could, we could do less of that. <laughs> yeah. Dig it. Next question. What turns you on spiritually, emotionally, or mentally? Um, you know, I've been getting into witchcraft more because I've been wanting to learn more about my pagan ancestry. And so I've been a practicing witch for, uh, I want to say a year and a half. And it's a lot of, it's a lot of self-care involved, you know, like you take like these very spiritual baths with like, like rose petals and candles. Uh, I did my first cord cutting a few weeks ago. If you know, if you know what that is. No, what is that? So cord cutting is a ritual where you basically, you spiritually cut ties with a person who is toxic Mm. or bad for you. Uh, who has been giving you negative energy. And so you use the cord cutting ritual to spiritually cut ties with that person. It's it's a type of banishment spell where like you banish negativity from your life. Nice. Nice. Sounds like a different kind of spirituality, you know, like prayer can be a sort of spell too. You know, you have to end a prayer a certain way so that it works, you know, but that's self-care, huh? A lot of witchcraft, like just self-care. It's all based on that. Basically, yeah. I mean, you know, like setting your intentions or like, you know, manifesting something that you want. And, you know, just like different crystals have different purposes. I have a rose quartz, which is very good for self-love. And I've been needing some more of that lately. So I sleep with the rose quartz underneath my pillow at night. Nice. Yeah, Stephanie recently got from her friend a uh, a necklace with like a ground with a with a stone on or a gem. So I don't know what the correct mm-hmm. term, but it's for grounding to help ground her more. And it's she says it's been helping her. And it's like who's to say you know like your rose quartz doesn't help you with your journey to help you with self love and. Who's to say hers doesn't help her feel more grounded? Yeah, absolutely. Phenomenal. Dig it. All right. Next question. What turns you off emotionally, spiritually, or mentally? Uh, I say men. <laughs> You're not no, the first. You're no. not the first. <laughs> No, I, yeah, I mean, 
more and more as I get older. Yeah. Uh, men for sure. I, 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 I already feel like I have to say like, yes, I know not all men. You're a man and you're okay. (laughs) (laughs) I run, I, I host a podcast with, uh, my best friend, Alan, who is also a man. Is he okay? He's okay. (laughs) Is he okay? (laughs) You know, my, my dad's okay. (laughs) (laughs) These are okay. Okay. We can't give you something. We can't give you something more than okay. Cause then it'll get to your head and then you won't be okay. Okay. Got to keep those men in check. Exactly. <laughs> uh, well, you're not again. You're not the first. You know, I had a, uh, a previous guest specifically say cis men. She said specifically cis men turn her off right now. Yeah, that tracks. <laughs> well, right on. A very, very uh, that uh, that answer is uh, it qualifies. That's a good answer. Here we go. Next question. What sound or noise do you love? Ooh. I think the... Well, I love music. Uh, I, I really like specifically the type of music that I just love is well everything but my favorite is like like if i like when i go to like rock shows you know and just like yeah like i'm talking like punk and like metal and that sort of crowd yeah and just and just screaming uh with the rest of the uh, the moshing crowd. <laughs> That's a great sound. Hell yeah. Oh God. Cause of quarantine. I haven't heard that in a while. Got to go to a show soon. Thanks for that. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Next question. What sound or noise do you hate? Well, this is an interesting question to answer because of my autism uh, and my sensory issues. Because um, I I could have a lot, of, I think I have a lot of answers for this question. I mean, I hate, you know, I hate the sound of cars. You know, I yeah. really hate, uh, yeah, I, I just really don't like, I don't, I don't like, like the sound of like crowds, like, like when it's like, when it's like outside the context of like, you know, a show or like a festival Mm. or like something music related like that, like it, like just going to like, Disneyland and like uh hearing too many sounds that are too loud all at once is very overwhelming which is why I got uh noise reduction earplugs which kind of helps eliminate the background noise uh and I can still hear the people talking to me 
So I also really hate like the sound of leaf blowers mm. or lawnmowers. Right. I I hate when I get woken up by that sound like out of nowhere. See, at a rock concert, that's loud, but that's organized loud noise where everyone's focused on something, we're enjoying it. But like, yeah, the chaos of like Disneyland, the chaos of a random leaf blower, overwhelming, man. I get that. Yeah. Dig it. All right. Dig it. Thank you. Next question. All right. Let's see how you answer this one now. What is your favorite curse word? <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Same as one. Please see question Same one. Same as Christy question one. <laughs> Dig it. It's a good one. It starts strong and ends strong. Fuck. Yep. It's the point across. Yeah. Dig it. All right. Next question. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Um, I would be really interested in trying to become a sex therapist. Mm. And I, I was actually looking into grad school not too long ago to try to get my master's in counseling on so that be, so I could become a licensed therapist, but I don't think I'm quite ready for it yet. I want to make sure I'm ready before making a big commitment, like fucking grad school. Um, but yeah, I think sex therapy would be a really cool profession to pursue. Uh, just because, you know, sex is such a taboo topic. Um, and I'd love to be able to help people who I've kind of dealt with similar things as me. Like I like to help people who've been through sexual trauma. I like to um, be able to help people who are like questioning their sexuality. Mm. I, I like to be able to help um, other disabled people uh, to kind of navigate their sexualities as well. There's especially so much taboo around, um, the idea of disabled people having sex. Uh, like I think one of the, one big misconception that I've heard about autism is that we can't have sex or that we don't want to have sex. That's not true. <laughs> that screaming is so from, not true. Screaming from the mountaintops. <laughs> I'll spare you all the stories that I have. <laughs> that's for but, that's for your that's for the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I yeah, I I think I'd like to be able to help people, uh, not only disabled people kind of navigate their sexualities, but also help pe help non-disabled people kind of dispel those um, like biases that they have in their heads about mm. us. Nice. Right on. Next question. What profession would you not like to do? 
accounting. Uh-huh. That doesn't seem very fun. <laughs> that was quick. I dig it. Screw those numbers. <laughs> <laughs> dig it. And final question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say as you enter the pearly gates? Um, I'm sorry for putting you through shit when I had the power to stop it. Yeah. That, that was my bad. <laughs> God just like, oh, my bad, Luna. My bad. <laughs> Call it. I'm sorry. Here's. You want to come? You want to come meet Jesus? Everyone loves meeting Jesus. I I just like for God to take some accountability. Nice, wonderful. I haven't heard that one yet. That's a beautiful answer. I like that. Thank you. All right. Yeah, well, no problem. We made it to the end of the podcast, Luna, with only a hiccup here and there uh, with the tech, which is wonderful. That's enough for me. I can deal with that. And now at the end of the podcast, now it's your chance to please let the listeners know where they can listen to, to your podcast, where they can check out your content and anything else you're working on that you want to share. Take the floor. Sweet. So you can check out my podcast, Outsiders Assemble. I co-host with Alan Kason, who is awesome. We geek out about Marvel and high-end social issues that's why it's called outsiders assemble and we we just talk about all things marvel and social justice you can check out my tiktok at the real luna rose and every everything's there like uh my whole link tree venmo uh spotify i have a song called rainbow road you on Spotify, Apple Music, and all other music platforms, if you want to check that out. And I I think that's it. Nice. Well, hey, this is wonderful. Now we can make it like we're going to walk out of the studio, but we're not in a studio. We're just in Discord. So I'll just stop it here. And, and just like that, we're done with another podcast, y'all. I hope you enjoyed my episode with Luna. Again, got to learn a lot, especially about the autistic community and I, I, some stuff I wasn't even aware of, some stuff I had to learn more to grow myself. And if you didn't like learning today or growing, too bad. Why not? You got to do that. You got to try. You know, like Luna signing up, little eight-year-old Luna signing up for Wizard of Oz. Why not? You just sign up. You do it. And you have fun. If you want to check out all of what Luna is up to, with her podcast, with her TikTok, everything like that in the description below are going to be all her links to her song, to her TikTok, to the podcast. It's all there. Go check it out. What's also there are my links. Go check out those links. Yo, I'm selling feet pics. I'm just kidding. I'm not. I'm not selling feet pics yet. Yo, I'm just kidding. My mom told me, yo, she was like, yo, Steven, why not? Pictures for your patas? Like, do it. And I'm like, shoot. Maybe I will, Mom. And then I'll become rich and famous and we'll be in a studio. And then on the wall of the studio, there will be a plaque that reads, This home was built built with Steven's batas. That's what it's going to say. Uh, but till then, 
Uh, this has been the Wiley Up Now podcast. And do not forget the most important part. You are enough. You are more than enough. It's incredible how enough you are. Okay? Okay, bye. I'm leaving. Bye. No, we're done. Bye. We're gonna leave. I'm gonna go play Xbox. Go get a corn dog. It's gonna be good. Here we go. I'm gonna get a corn dog. It's gonna be delicious.